it was getting to a point where I'm here. I can't, I mean, I just can't do the basic things and becoming hermit-like. The emotional toll it takes on a person is never discussed enough. I mean, you see the size, but then my body was a mess, but my mind was probably even messier. And I'm getting to the point where I'm living in a place I can't keep clean and in a body that's breaking down each way. This wasn't a change just for aesthetic reasons. This was, this kept me alive. I was going to die. I mean, I was on that path. Hi, I'm Scott Hefner, and this is Finding Your Sweet Spot. It's a show about real people with real stories of discovering that optimal space when it comes to their health and wellness, and how their core values influence their decisions concerning activity, nutrition, and self-care. My hope is that there are others who can relate in some way to these examples, and the stories shared here can help those who are on their own journey to finding their sweet spot. So let's go. I arrived on a Wednesday night at my guest's house to conduct my first podcast interview. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit nervous. Of course, I wasn't the one who was answering questions that could potentially bring up emotions of dealing with tough times from my past. So what did I need to be nervous for? We sat down, and I asked her to tell me a little bit about herself. Okay, I'm Lisa Detloff. I'm a lifelong Kansan. Grew up on a very small rural town in north central Kansas. I always like to put it in perspective that I had a high school graduating class of 10, which was a consolidation of two towns. So I can usually win the small town contest. Yeah, grew up in a farming community, family farmed, uh, went to school at college at K-State, Kansas State University. I proved the point that you can switch your major three times and graduate in four years. And let's see, post-college, working for... uh, Currently, U.S. Senator Jerry Moran, and then when he's elected to the Senate, I'm lobbied to move to Johnson County because I had a one-year-old nephew, and I sent baby pictures to the senator-elect and his wife saying, this little boy needs his Aunt Lisa. So, uh, yeah, uh, celebrated my 23rd work anniversary, as I like to call it, back in June. It's fun to work for Kansans and help, and just help Kansans, and I love this state. This short intro told me a lot about Lisa, that she was a helper, a planner, organized, determined, but she wasn't done. I had thought about leaving politics, government, and going to the next highly volatile thing, religion, and went to uh, graduate school, went to seminary at St. Paul School of Theology, got a Master's of Divinity, and currently I preach three Sundays a month and been doing that for almost four years. And it's, it's, she spoke again, a bit more about the church she preaches at, how it reminded her of the small town she grew up in. It brought up some memories, which led right into our conversation about her growing up as someone who was overweight. I've been, I was overweight all my life from 
a young child, always, or they'd call it overweight, heavy set, or my least favorite description, like when I was in high school, you're built like a linebacker, or robust. That was a word I didn't care for very much. Yeah, I was always big. I think I went over 200 pounds when I was 11 or 12 years old. And with that, I was... I noticed her taking more pauses as she started discussing these past experiences. There was more reflection, more silence, more hurt. She shared a couple of stories. Each year, back to school shopping, be my sister, my mom, my grandma and I, we would go to, um, to a town to do this clothes shopping. And first thing we'd do is mom and I would get the jeans shopping done. We'd go to a department store because I would always have a breakdown because I couldn't wear girls' jeans. We always had to go to the men's section. And it happened every year. My mother was a saint because I'd be in the dressing room just bawling, feeling so ashamed of it. My my grandma and my sister were smart enough to either go the opposite side of the store or the opposite side of the mall. It's like, okay, let them do that. Then we can regroup. But it was just always such a nightmare. Hearing that first story, it just made my heart ache for her. I was thinking about, what if that was my daughter feeling that way? Just trying to buy clothes every year. The second story, well, to be honest, it just pissed me off. Another story that always sticks out for me in situation was playing a basketball game. I think I was probably a senior in high school. I was an athlete in a very small school. You did you did all the all the sports. And I played and I was a good athlete, but I was just always bigger. And we were, it was an away game, and the students of the opposing team, whenever I'd get the ball, they started mooing at me. And that, and I didn't notice it at first, but then obviously did, and that hurt. And then a, there was a girl in my school who picked up on that. And whenever she would see me in school, and again, it's a small school, so you saw the same kids all day long, she mooed me. And so that was. That was also part of the, the, yeah, again, the bullying, just the mental anguish. It's hard enough being a teenager, but adding that wasn't much fun. She tried to exercise, thought about being healthier, but moving to college and then later to the city, it exposed her to way more opportunities to eat junk food, and just do less and less as she focused on her career. And then the health problems really started to pile up. I don't remember when I went over 300 pounds. I, I don't remember that time, but it just got worse and worse. And then health problems happened. 2013, where my health concerns was I'd been type 2 diabetic for probably 15 years high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was retaining fluid during the day. And so I started taking over-the-counter diuretics. And I remember I would go home after work, lay on the floor and put my feet up, and then the swelling would go down by morning time. I was diagnosed uh, with congestive heart failure at age 38. I think I was up to 15 prescriptions that I took each day. I 
diagnosed with sleep apnea, which is all mostly obesity related. It wasn't my case where you're struggling to breathe as you sleep. I'd wake up suddenly in the middle of the night and started sleeping in a chair set up with the CPAP machine, which saved my life, but it was very discouraging. Lisa went on, talking about embarrassing times at restaurants when being seated at booths she couldn't fit in, precautions she would take when volunteering at church, or the amount of planning involved just to go out into public. It was heartbreaking. And then she came to one that hit the hardest. It's gross, but it's truth. I, when I'd wake up, get up out of bed, first thing you usually do is go to the bathroom. And it was getting harder and harder for me to clean myself after going to the bathroom that first time in the morning. And I remember just just the, the pain, even getting up and down off the toilet was difficult. And I remember watching a show once of someone probably close to 500 pounds, and every time he'd use the bathroom, he'd step into a shower and have to hose himself off. And I could see that coming for me. That was, I could, that, that I could see happening to me. Initially, I couldn't help but think, with all of these health problems, especially at such a young age, why not do something about it? And of course, she recognized that. One would have thought that would have been your aha moment or time to make a switch. And it still didn't happen. I mean, it took another six years. Then things got even more painful. Almost every decision was affected by my obesity. And it was getting to the point where I could not accomplish daily tasks without extreme pain. I'd sit on my bed, I'd take my arms to lift my leg up on the bed to put a shoe on. And it would get so hard that I just started wearing slip-ons, couldn't tie a shoe. That little bit of forward motion to put the sock over your foot, I couldn't do it without extreme pain. So yeah, my feet got cold because yeah, I just stopped wearing socks and wore slip-on shoes of some sort. Walking downstairs was harder than going up because of the lack of balance. And you know, I was going down what your three steps in your front front door and fell and broke my ankle just because of lack of balance. So what happened? What was it that really changed things? I'd grown up in a weight room. I knew how to exercise and the food I knew I was eating too much, but it's simply not you need to move more and eat less. It's there's always something more behind there. And there was definitely more behind there. I was getting to a point where I knew I needed help. I'd always thought I put all the weight on myself. It was my punishment. It was my cross to bear to get it off all by myself. And I got to a point like, I I can't do that. And I remember saying, I go, I've got to do something. I've got to trust somebody. So she sought out help. She found a trainer that she could definitely trust. She was brutally honest with him and told him everything. And they got to work. It was one of the few times where I kind of let someone else take over. And we started training late June of 2019. I probably couldn't look him in the eye for the first month because it's just the shame. But he just got me from the beginning. 
and he helped her in ways far beyond just creating an exercise program. I had to, I finally learned you have to make small, subtle changes, not big leaps of faith if you're going to make things um, last. She made changes to her activity. And so I said, well, maybe I'm going to try for 2,500 steps a day. The next week it'd be 3,000 steps a day. And so just gradually doing that. She made changes to her relationship with food. Not calling it a diet. That was a big thing. That was a big mind shift for me, calling it nutrition. And she made changes to how she viewed her lifestyle. I will exercise during this time. This is what I eat. I can't, I don't go out for dinners as much as I used to. And I mean, I do, but I just have, again, used to plan where everything with the obesity. Now I plan for more of my healthy life and what I can do. And after a while, she saw changes within her body. But unlike the previous stories, she was all smiles. The first six months, I think I lost 60 pounds. And I remember one night standing in my kitchen and not, and I started crying because it didn't hurt when I was washing dishes. It used to be, and again, I lived by myself, so I don't have a whole lot of dishes, but I would have to take breaks because it would just hurt so much to stand. I remember taking a picture when I went into a clothing store. This was probably maybe a year in, and I could wear women's, I could go to the women's department and not the plus size and put on jeans. And I, I took a picture of me in the dressing room. I posted it on social media. I'm here, look at me, I'm in jeans. And that was a great story because the largest size they had in the store was a size 20. And that was too big. And then there was no, so I thought 18. And I can't go any smaller than that. And they didn't have any 18s. And I'm here, oh this is going to be crushing. So I thought, well, let's try the next size down. And they fit. And so I'm here, this is awesome. To date, I've lost over around 150 pounds. I think people realized, you know, just how much my life was changing, how what little I could do and how the obesity just affected every aspect of my life. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into her core values and how they influenced her healthier lifestyle. And it's a, it's a great question. And I was thinking about that. And before I made these changes, probably what I considered my core values, I didn't live, live them whatsoever. And like one was that account being consistent, doing what you say you're going to do. How many times I would say, I'm going to start this program or do that and wouldn't do it tell people maybe make plans to meet somebody at a gym and I just wouldn't do it and just doing showing up saying what you're going to do that's a core value that has been a huge factor for me not as much pleasing others but showing up for myself like when the day the mornings that I don't want to get up to go to the gym I'm here I mean, and I would struggle, play the mind games, but now you have the consistency. You're not playing those battles in your head as much. Just what you do is like you get up and you brush your teeth in the morning. I get up and I go to the gym. It's a decision I've made. It's become my new lifestyle. Another one that 
another core value that's been very important to me and something I've realized through this process is accepting people for who they are, not what you want them to be. And that's how I want to treat others because I think, and this is one of the reasons I kind of got into, explored my faith and became a pastor is I never want anyone to feel less than. As we started to wrap things up, Lisa let me know one more thing she discovered. Being part of a community, that's something I didn't think I needed, but I did, as we all do. People who have really helped me focus on the weight loss are people I didn't know three years ago, and they've just been great cheerleaders for me. And I've found, again, people who helped me change, but they didn't try to change me. And yes, they will challenge my way of thinking. They will make some suggestions, but don't, I mean, we all mess up. I'm a very flawed person, but finding the people who say, but you're not a bad person or you're not a worthless person. So what do you find then is your sweet spot right now? It's nothing exciting. It's it's structure, really. I, you lose 150 pounds over three years. You've made some cha- huge changes. And I would say 99.9% of those changes have been great. But change is still scary. And so if I can create more structure and don't have to constantly make decisions like wake up and this is what I'm going to do, I'm that is going to help me tremendously. I have to constantly remind myself that being obese, I was miserable, but I knew how to live that life. There was, there's a comfort even being miserable. So the change I'm into year three of this current lifestyle. And so that's what, there's still some very overwhelming moments. It's still very raw to me in a lot of situations. But, so again, I think, yeah, structure is my sweet spot. I know there are certain things I know that will work for me. I know I work out, I have better days if I work out first thing in the morning. I do well with a trainer, um, or my trainer in particular, because, yeah, that's just magic. Or going to a class where, again, your job is to show up, and I have people tell me what to do, and which is so the antithesis of my personality but again you're gonna have to make a big change you're gonna have to change something what would you like to uh, tell others that maybe can relate to your story or you know they just got to a point where they were at their lowest and they had to make a change and what would you tell people that maybe you're looking for that like looking at well, what could I do? What sort of things could I aspire to to get to a point of I've made that switch, I've found my sweet spot? Um, what would you say to those people? I would say if you're starting your journey, you have to realize, A, you're never too old or too obese to start to do something. What I can't remember who the quote, you know, the hardest thing is getting started. 
and just doing something would help. I mean, again, I began this journey when I was 43 years old and 352 pounds. And if you have 100 plus pounds to lose or you want to lose 10 pounds or something, it's, that's the other part. It's your journey. You should not allow anyone to take that away from you. Two things I would, I usually tell people, I go, A, this is my journey. So you have to find what works for you. You have to find your own sweet spots. And the second thing is, and this was the harder lesson for me, is that you can't do this on your own. You have to have one person, a community. And that community has helped her in numerous ways and opened her up to different experiences. Along with losing weight, Lisa has joined boxing classes, has completed 5Ks, 10Ks, even a half marathon. And as she shared her journey going from unhealthy, physically weak, and obese to healthier, stronger, and much more fit, a deeper sweet spot shone through. Realizing you deserve help. That was, that's um, that's something that was very hard for me. Again, because I thought I'd put all this weight on by myself. This was my, this is my punishment that I had to get it all off. And then plus you have to realize that you're worth it, that you're worth the time, the effort that it takes to improve your health. I mean, this is your physical health. It affects your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. And whether or not, and in my case, it was going to be live or die situation. It was that um, binary, but in your, with your health, just being able to move, do basic things, play with your kids, um, keep your house clean. I mean, those are things should never take for granted. And you're just, you're worth, you're worth the effort and you have to realize that. And, and it's different for everybody. There's no cookie cutter way. Sorry, I use the word cookie for that example, but <laughs> so much for cliches. But there's just there's no one size fits all. Okay, there we go. Let's close. Yep, <laughs> number two. But I'll stop now. But I mean, obesity, in my opinion, it's all about your self worth. How much you're loving yourself, how you treat yourself, and how you allow others to treat you. And again, I don't have it all figured out. I have bad days I have days where I mess up but learning to forgive yourself give yourself grace because you're still worth it is I think the biggest lesson and that's something I would advise anyone and notice I didn't say anything about you have to exercise this many minutes a day or you have to eat this it's it's emotional it's emotional well you are worth it and thank you so much for doing this You're welcome. And I look forward to following up at some point. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Finding Your Sweet Spot is written, edited, and produced by Scott Hefner. Music composition and sound design by Hefner Wellness Productions. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating or write a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It really helps people find the show and spread the word to others who may be inspired by what they hear. 
Check out the show notes where you can click on any of the links to learn more about Hefner Wellness, my guests, and other resources. You've been listening to Finding Your Sweet Spot.